Good evening, everyone, and welcome to St. Luke's Episcopal Church. Um, I know you all are here to hear from um, Bishop Williman, but I've got a little bit of an introduction, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about what's going on the rest of the weekend so you can participate in that as well. The Reverend Dr. William H. Williman is professor of the practice of Christian ministry at the Divinity School at Duke University. He served eight years as the Bishop of North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church, and for 20 years prior to being a bishop, he was the Dean of the Chapel and Professor at Duke University and the Divinity School there. Dr. Williman is a graduate of Wofford College, Yale Divinity School, and Emory University. He has pastored churches in Georgia and South Carolina, and is the author of nearly a hundred books including Preacher's Dare and Listener's Dare, his engagement with the holy art of preaching. In total, more than a million copies of his books have been sold, and he is widely published in journals and in magazines. Bishop Willman, you might remember, was with us at St. Luke's in 2019, along with Catherine Meeks, to speak about beloved community and racial healing, and we're thrilled to have him back. When he was here in 2019, he also preached a Sunday sermon which became the feature of a documentary called A Will to Preach about his life and ministry as a preacher throughout the years. And I believe you can still stream that on PBS. So if you just uh, Google uh, A Will to Preach Will Williman, you should be able to find that and watch that. In addition to the uh, lecture this evening, Bishop Williman will be leading our vestry retreat tomorrow. That's not open to the public, but if you'll keep the vestry retreat uh, in your prayers. But on Sunday morning, he will be with us at 9.15 a.m. Uh, in our parish hall, which is the building behind you all, uh, to give another lecture. And then he will preach at the 10.30 liturgy this coming Sunday. After this evening's um, lecture and discussion, um, we'll gather in the parish hall, we'll do a light reception in there, and it'll be an opportunity to engage with one another and, and have a couple of words with Bishop Williman. Um, it was advertised as a um, book signing as well, however, the books did not make it with him. Um, so if you have, if you're such a fan, that you have uh, books uh, with you, I'm sure he would be happy to sign them. I have several in my office, and if you offer me the right price, I might part with one. <laughs> uh, probably not, though. Um, but again, it'll be a time for fellowship uh, with one another afterwards, though, in the parish hall, which you can access uh, either through the doors you entered or this side door right here will get you there as well. But personally speaking, I will say that Bishop Williman has been an inspiration and mentor to me for many years, although he never knew who I was before 2019. Uh, but through his sermons and his books, really shaped me, uh, especially as a preacher. And so it has been a tremendous joy and blessing to get to know him. Uh, and so I am honored to present to you Bishop Will Williman. Well, thank you, Robert. It is uh, good to be back here. St. Luke's, I feel right at home after my previous weekend here. Robert, in an earlier conversation, it seemed like he said to me, uh, you know, I just, I really wonder how truly committed my people are. And I said, well, Robert, do what I would do. Check their giving records. That, that reveals where they, and um, he said, no. I, and, and I said, well, I've got an idea. Why don't you ask me to come lecture on preaching on a Friday night? <laughs> and uh, so, uh, 
we have now weeded out the idly curious and we've got this thing down now to the truly deeply committed so it's an honor to be with you thank you uh, you must be really faithful uh, well talk about preaching and then we'll have a conversation about that with you the Christian faith unlike some faiths is an inherently auditory acoustical phenomenon. Perhaps this is because you cannot be born Christian. <laughs> you, you cannot, as the philosopher Kierkegaard said, Christianity does not arise from any human heart. There is little about this faith that is innate. Nobody has ever come into the world and said to their mama, uh, first day of life, you know, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and the Savior of the world. No, that has to be something you hear. Somebody has got to love you and God enough to give you the news. Isn't it an interesting? We call the gospel, it comes from the Greek word, euangelion, good news. It's not called, as it could have been, photismos, enlightenment, uh, when you see the light, or musterion, a, a mystery, a deep mystery that you can't describe. It's not gnosis, a secret knowledge that I'm whispering in your ear. It's not nomos, law, uh, rules to follow for a better life. It's called good news. It's somebody's got to tell it to you. You cannot come up with this on your own. Somebody's got to hand it over uh, auditorily. Thus, preaching is at the heart of being Christian. For reasons known only to our Lord, our Lord chooses to love us by talking to us. And, for reasons don't run only to our Lord, the, a major way God chooses to talk to us is one ordinary, flawed, frail human being standing up in front of other human beings and uh, talking. It's, uh, I remember uh, a few years ago, a group of students came to my office in Duke Chapel and that they said they were the Duke Spirituality Coalition and they were seeking my aid in fostering spirituality on our campus. And they said that to do this, they wanted to establish a spirituality center in Duke Gardens. And it would be a place covered by plantings with a bench. And whenever you wanted to be spiritual, you could go sit on that bench and be spiritual. And I said, why, why would I be interested in such an endeavor? I'm a Christian. Can, can you say the word incarnation? Uh, we actually believe we don't 
have to climb up to God or sit quietly and try to heft ourselves up about out of our mundane concerns. No, we believe God showed up. God Almighty came to us as a Jew from Nazareth. And that's probably why when we want to get spiritual, we get together with a bunch of people we didn't choose to be with. Uh, and we, uh, that we congregate, we assemble. That, that's how we do it. We need people, not bushes. Uh, so, uh, and sometimes as a Christian, it's, 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 you forget how odd that makes us. Uh, nine out of 10 Americans say they believe in God. But you can have a conversation with them and pretty soon you find out that whatever this God, nine out of 10 of them believe in, it's not the same one that you talk about here on Sunday mornings. A Jew from Nazareth who lived briefly and died violently and rose unexpectedly and then came back and said uh, to the same losers who betrayed him and disappointed him the first time, uh, like I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted by the cross, uh, that's, that's God. And Sometimes it's easy to think, uh, you know, being a Christian is roughly synonymous with being a thinking, caring, thoughtful, spiritual American. No. A Christian is somebody who's heard some news, some news you can't tell yourself, news that, that has come to you through the words of another human being about what the truth about God really is, otherwise known as Jesus. And preaching participates in that dynamic. Where do you get faith that God really is who the church says God is? Uh, Paul says, faith comes from hearing. Uh, faith does not come from reading, thinking, uh, Meditation, it, it comes from hearing. You, it's something you've heard, and preaching is part of that. And I think, you know, in saying that, I, I bet this is something, th there's a sense in which some of you know more about this than I. <laughs> and that some of you, if we had time to say, what are you doing here tonight on a Friday night? You, you have nothing better to do than be here uh, in this activity. I guarantee if we probe that, we would find that somehow, some way, you heard your name called, maybe in a sermon, or something very much like a sermon. Uh, somehow, God found a way to cut through your defenses and say things to you that you can't say to yourself. Maybe saying things to you that you didn't want said. That's kind of one of my definitions of preaching, is we all get together on Sunday, and the preacher says, okay, church, let's have a conversation about matters that you may have been avoiding all week long, okay? And uh, let's see where, where we'll be by noon. Uh, and... Uh, I got someone 
said to me the other day that the Methodist Church is going through troubles and separations. I don't want to talk about it with you because I know you're looking for material uh, <laughs> against meth. But the person said the other day, I'm sorry, I just cannot be part of a church where I hear a spouse from the pulpit values different from mine. And I said, uh, let me know when you find you that church. Uh, that's kind of the whole point of church in one way. Uh, you, you can't be born with these values. <laughs> Somebody's got to say it to you. Also, somebody, some student comes out of Duke Chapel and says, I have never heard anything like this. Where did you get this? And I said, where would you have heard this? Uh, watching TV? Uh, taking philosophy class at Duke? No, there's powerful forces to keep you from hearing this kind of stuff. You know, your, your parents don't want you to hear this. Now you gotta get dressed and come down here to an inconvenient hour of the week to hear stuff like this. That's why I have such a big building with big doors. We have to protect ourselves as we're talking like this. This is speech, this is free speech that the world has various methods of making darn sure you don't get to hear anywhere but here. Uh, that's preaching. Now, uh, I've mostly been interested in preaching as something that I do, that my colleagues who have been called to preach, ordained to preach, do, and uh, that I think is an interesting thing to think about. Uh, and uh, I <laughs> was talking with a preacher the other day, a Methodist again, having trouble with our Methodist troubles, and uh, the, the pastor, he, he said to me, uh, I just don't deal that well with conflict. I, I, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm not that much of a preacher. And I said, yeah, I can tell. Because... Uh, <laughs> To be a preacher, you got to, you got to be open to the possibility of somebody walking out and saying, I disagree with that, or uh, I'm sorry, I grew up in a good Christian home and my mother never told me anything like that. And you, you know, you, you deal with that. And, and in fact, most, very few preachers uh, don't like it when somebody says, I disagree with you, or I got problems with that, or you shouldn't have said that. That usually doesn't offend us. It usually what we say is, hey, I'd like to hear more about that. You want to have coffee Tuesday? Or let, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, at least we've been heard. Uh, and the, uh, and sometimes we, we forget how there's a sense in which maybe you keep coming back Sunday after Sunday and participating in preaching as a listener because you know, you may not know everything there is to know about the Christian faith and all, but uh, you know enough to know that, that you don't know. Uh, you know enough to know that here's something you, you kind of have to grow into, you kind of have to work at Sunday after Sunday, week after week, you, you may be, we preachers sometimes keep track of all the people that got mad about something they heard at church that they didn't want to hear. Uh, 
and then they stop coming. I don't think we pay enough attention to all those who've just quietly drifted away because they've given up hope for ever hearing anything that truly challenges them, shakes them, surprises them, and they know enough to know if it's from Jesus, uh, it, it, it can be bumpy. It, it can be a rough ride uh, because that's what his preaching evoked. I know I, I followed a couple of women out of a church in a town that I was visiting in a couple of years ago. And uh, one of the women said, I overheard one of the women say to the other women on her way out of church, one hour of worship, a 24 minute sermon, and not one mention of George Floyd. Said either the church has nothing to say about such matters, or the church doesn't have the guts to say anything about such matters. But it makes you think, if the church ain't got nothing to say about this, it may have nothing to say. Uh, remember, church member I had back in Greenville, South Carolina, and she would come out and she would say, boy, you need to thank God that you're serving this church. Because I've been a member of a number of churches that wouldn't put up with this. Uh, and you know, she was right. Give yourself some credit. Uh, and that to be a Christian means to be willing to expose yourself to talk about Jesus. And Jesus did a good bit of talking. He is identified as a preacher. And, and many, well, you know some stories about some of the negative reaction he got uh, to sermons. Uh, so it, it's, it's kind of part of that. But yet, one reason that sometimes you get bumped in a sermon or maybe angered by a sermon, or hurt by a sermon, or is, uh, you know, <laughs> you're not God. And it, there is a God, and you're not it. And this God routinely says things in love to God's people that really challenge us to the core. And so maybe, like after reading the Gospels and reading Jesus' sermons, Maybe I, as a preacher, ought to ask myself, uh, hmm, no congregation has ever tried to throw me over a cliff at the end of the service and kill me. Hmm, I got some explaining to do. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've tried to preach, but uh, so if it's not gospel, it's not able, it's not gospel if it's not able to be refused, to be rejected, unheard. Uh, and uh, preaching is part of all that. Uh, but again, I, I remember, uh, and there's a sense in which maybe I or Robert need to hear these words more than you do. There's a sense in which uh, I found that you the lay listeners, take preaching more seriously than I. 
I mean, you'll walk out and say, that, it makes me so mad when you get into this, or I knew where you were going with that, and you always, and, or whatever, and, and I think, wow, uh, when's the last time I've ever gotten mad at something I've heard? I mean, other than like political speeches. Uh, when, that, that maybe people are, are there saying, is there any word from the Lord? That's it? Wow. I'm in some difficulty now in life because I've heard a word that really challenges where I am in a deep way. Or, you know, one problem with sermons is, uh, you know, you, you come and you, you expect to hear something, or maybe you hear some scripture read and say, yeah, I've heard that before. I, I know where we're going with this. Yeah, yeah. oh, here we go again. Um, and then you, you hear something different. I, I remember the woman who uh, came out of church one Sunday and she said, I've had a hellish week. Uh, my son's drinking again. Uh, the big boss is in town. I think he has it in for me. And... Um, I came here this Sunday seeking some hope, some consolation and comfort. And I said, well, I, I hope you receive that uh, here. And she said, not particularly. <laughs> uh, then she said, I came here seeking some help and consolation only to have God give me an assignment. Some of you know what that's like. Uh, and, and one other thing, and that's sometimes when you, you know, you, you come out and say, I didn't get a thing out of this sermon. Or, uh, okay, that, that's a fair criticism. I think we preachers ought to take that seriously. We ought to wonder about that. Now, but come on, uh, be fair. Uh, one is, you're a North American, you're relatively affluent, relatively resourceful in managing your life, uh, which, which means you've got some really good defenses against God going for you. Uh, you, you're, you could be pretty well defended against the truth, which is a Jew from Nazareth who lived briefly, died violently, and rose unexpectedly. So that, it may mean, uh, I know I had a preacher in Alabama that is, had an amazing ministry, an inner city church in one of the saddest parts of Birmingham, Alabama. And when I heard that his parsonage had been broken into the third time, and uh, I, I said, we gotta get him out of there. And we've got to really, uh, we, we, we gotta rescue him. And we, let's, let's find some less demanding, dangerous place for him to be. So I called him up and said, I good news, we're gonna move you. And, and, I, and he said, whoa, 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 did I ask to be moved? And I said, well, no, but we're just concerned about the demands of this context. And he said, you know, Bishop, have you ever heard me preach? And I said, uh, no, but I, I, I will before we move you. But uh, he said, well, you know, I'm not like you. I, I can't come up with a bunch of sappy stories from South Carolina, and uh, I don't have a lot of poetic 
illustrations and language. All I can do is just kind of shove the gospel out there at them and, um, and, and hope that there might be some, a few people out there desperate enough going down for the third time that they will understand this is good news. That's all I got. I, I can't make the gospel credible to a bunch of people for whom the gospel is not the answer to the problems they think they've got, okay? So I need to be in this neighborhood preaching. Yeah. It was a reminder uh, that, that maybe that we live in a context where a word from God, otherwise known as preaching, uh, it, it can be difficult. And another thing about that is when you say, gosh, there was nothing for me in that sermon. I heard nothing of help or anything. One, you, we could have an argument about since when was the sermon supposed to, like, help? Uh, that, I know that's kind of a way of thinking about preaching, but there's a lot of the Bible that is not that helpful. Uh, well, uh, two, a question is, okay, well this, this sermon didn't speak to me, but I wonder if it spoke to the person sitting next to me in the pew. I didn't get a bad diagnosis this week, okay? But that person sniffing quietly in the pew next to me did. So maybe this is time for me to love my neighbor and say, great, I'm glad the sermon was helpful to you. It wasn't mine today, but glad it was helpful to you. Come back next week. We'll see if we can, uh, you know. Um, here's, let me just tick off some things that, Robert may not back me up in this, but uh, just some things that I, I as a preacher would want to say to lay people about how to find preaching more helpful in your discipleship, in your walk with the Lord. Uh, I think one, it's, it's good to appreciate how weird preaching is uh, as oral communication. Like if I say, uh, and now, Let's take a look at the latest figures from the economy. You're going to get a certain kind of speech. If I say, uh, and now let us, let me talk about how I'm going to save American constitutional bicameral democracy, you'd get a kind of speech. If I say to you, and now a word from God, you'll get different kind of speech. Uh, and preaching, therefore, I think it takes some time. <laughs> you got to ask the right questions. I've noticed in my churches, it seems to me, some of my older members, people who've been here longer than others, seem to have more, I don't know, more tolerance <laughs> for a bad sermon or a misfired sermon or a controversial sermon. Maybe that was, they understand, a sermon is a creative act. It is taking this ancient Jewish gospel and 
setting it in the contemporary context, it is trying to say, hello, uh, let me try to get you to think about something you haven't thought about all week on a piece of scripture you've never heard in your life. Uh, and uh, let, me, let me try to, give me just a few minutes and let's see if, if this will work, okay? Uh, preaching is like that. And, and therefore can be, it's, it's important to ask the right questions of preaching. Somebody comes out and says to me, uh, I'm sorry, that just didn't relate to anything in my world. That's a fair comment. That's a concern. Fair to ask that it touched down somewhere in reality. Trouble is, some of us are working with some inadequate definitions of reality, maybe the gospel doesn't want to just politely speak to your world and your needs as you define them. Maybe it wants to rock your world. Maybe it wants to give you needs that you would have never had if you hadn't met Jesus. Maybe it wants to say a lot of the stuff that you're obsessing over and are so worried about isn't worth it. Let me give you something important to worry about. Uh, so, preaching is weird, different communication. I think also uh, a sermon means that, uh, that you be willing, therefore, not to get it. it, it it's okay. We're at this 52 Sundays a year. Uh, the Bible is a big book. Uh, uh, Jesus, I, I remember doing a dormitory Bible study group on the Gospel of John, and I don't know whether we were with Nicodemus or the woman at the well or something, and the student said, hey, uh, I know we're just halfway through, but uh, did anybody ever get it? <laughs> That's what he means. Said, did anybody ever understand what Jesus was talking about? Because thus far, Jesus has been the worst communicator in the world. Nobody knows what he's talking about. Nobody gets... I said, thank you, thank you. That kind of helps me feel better as a preacher. When, when we use... You know, it's, uh, we're Americans. We're democratic-minded people thinking, I have all I need to think about the gospel. I have all the intellectual capacity I need to get it. One problem is it takes three to preach, <laughs> at least. It takes somebody to be talking about God, from God, and it takes somebody open to the possibility they might hear from God, but then it takes the Holy Spirit. And my my sermons ought to be of the sort that if there isn't a Holy Spirit, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead like the women said he did, you don't get it. <laughs> they, to get to hear a sermon requires external help, which explains why, you know, you're listening to a sermon and you're not paying that close of attention and you've heard the story before, oh yeah, Good Samaritan for the hundredth time and all. But something reaches out and grabs hold of you.
That's an everyday experience of the Holy Spirit. Someone <laughs> came out of church a while back. I guarantee that after this talk, none of you will say anything to me after the sermon <laughs> Sunday. I mean, I'm, I, I, got, I got you. Yeah, I, yeah. But someone came out and said, wow, that was great. That was the best sermon you ever preached. And I said, really? I, it, in what way? Well, I, I just think it sums it all up. And when you said, yep, that was great. <laughs> and I said, yeah? He said, yeah, yeah. I just, it just, I, I don't know, I just, it, it's overwhelming. I mean, yet, you know, yet. I said, oh, okay, great. Thank you. Great. Have a nice week. Um, I think maybe what was going on there, Holy Spirit says, gets in there and says, let me have that sermon. I can do something with this. Let me see what I can work up with this. Uh, let me, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to somebody. And then I say to the Holy Spirit, well, hey, don't bother with her because, uh, let me tell you, she'll only disappoint you. Uh, she said she wanted to be chair of the finance committee. Yeah, showed up for two meetings. She said that she was going to be fully supportive of the church's new mission initiative, $100. Uh, Jesus, don't waste your time. To which the Lord says to me, don't you tell me who I can talk to and who I can't talk to. I will talk to who I will talk to, all right? They're mine, not yours, all right? Okay, okay. Uh, so, but, but because hearing a sermon is a gift, it's not a gift it can, if it can be on demand or predictable. It's not a gift if I can stand here and say, here's five ways to always walk away from here saying, yeah, got it, got it. It's another word for gift, one of our fancy words, grace. It, sometimes it's there on some Sunday and sometimes it isn't. And you have this experience of somebody walking out of church with you and they say, wow, I just think that, that sermon today just sums it all up. And you think, were we in the same sermon? <laughs> I thought that was a mess. Uh, some of that is attributable to the comings and goings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's why before we read the scripture here, before we preach, there's always a prayer says, it says, come on down Holy Spirit, you can do this. A lot of this Bible stuff is really hard to understand. Uh, our preacher is not always that clear and well prepared. Come on down Holy Spirit, <laughs> talk to us. Make this more than we can make it ourselves. Say things to us we wouldn't dare say to ourselves. Come on, Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, then I would I just add that, that I think preaching can be a challenge because it's, it's not a sermon if it's not biblical. You notice we have a prayer for the Holy Spirit Epiclesis, we read some scripture and then we preach. And 
It, it means that we preachers say what we're told to say. It means that we preachers are not just answerable to you. That, that was a great sermon, or don't you ever talk like that again. Uh, we're accountable to the text, to the biblical word. Don't tell me I was bored, or don't tell me that was over my head. Tell me, well, I don't know that you really preached that text. I think you may have preached yourself, got in the way there. I'll go home sick. <laughs> That's my job, to stand up and preach the text. And sometimes when you come out and say, I was offended by that, and I said, you know, I don't like Jeremiah any better than you do, okay? <laughs> and you know, this was not original with me. I was not sharing my heart with you and all. Uh, I found it downright offensive. And you know, I've already got the drapes hung in the parsonage and we love living here. So if you got a beef with what was said today, you need to take it up with Jeremiah. And okay, well, preaching participates in that weird dynamic. But maybe most of all, preaching can be a challenge, not because of any limits of the preacher, not because of any of your limits in biblical knowledge or intellect uh, or sincerity. Preaching is hard because of Jesus. Because God is not who we wanted God to be. Not who we projected God ought to be if God were worthy of our worship. God is Jesus Christ. Uh, he, God was in Christ reconciling the whole rebellious world to himself, that makes it a challenge. My favorite definition of preaching is that of the martyr to the Nazis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who says, preaching allows the risen Christ to walk among his people. And I swear to you, up here on Sunday morning, I can look out, I can almost see Christ making a move on people. Uh, the expressions on the faces, uh, and preaching allows the risen Christ to walk among his people. When I was a young preacher, wanting to get better at preaching, and, and I decided, uh, I grew up Methodist in South Carolina and decided this, there's nothing wrong with preaching except preaching needs more good ideas, some intelligence. I've heard enough sappy stories about meeting mama in heaven with an apple pie and following a mule and, come on. Uh, so uh, I did a little experiment on some three by five cards, I just had the top of the card. Write down the ideas that you heard in this morning's sermon. And I stood at the door of the church as people came out and just randomly would hand people a card and say, just take a moment, fill out that card, drop it in this box. Well, uh, you know, like I needed to be more depressed than I already was. <laughs> I, I read those cards. Nobody could ever think of more than one idea to put down on that card. Many of the ideas they put down on the card were found nowhere in my sermon manuscript. And uh, 
I was sharing my anguish with an African-American colleague of mine in a preaching covenant group we had and, and say, you know, they don't retain anything. They don't, they don't listen. They don't hear any of my, these great ideas. And he shook his head and he said, where did you white preachers ever get the notion the point of preaching was a bunch of ideas? And I said, well, well what do you think it is? He said, I, I think it's about Jesus. I, I think it's about, it's not about principles and ideas and thoughts. It's about presence. It's about people saying, uh, asking uh, any word from the Lord or saying, that, that's not my salvation, is it? And Sunday morning, uh, y'all give me a text from the Gospel of John uh, uh, and someone says, uh, uh, hey, I think we found a Messiah. And say, well, what, what's his program? What's his, uh, what's he teaching? What, what are his ideas? Is he orthodox? Is he biblical? And the disciple says, come and see. Just come and see. So it's about Jesus. And... <laughs> I'm preaching, and somebody comes out of church and says to me, grasps my arm, tears are coming down his face, and he says, that was the best sermon you have ever preached. And I tell you, after that sermon, uh, I, I'm going to sell the pickup truck, and I'm going to learn Creole French, and I'm moving to Haiti to be a missionary. And my response is, hey, we're Methodist. What do you think we are? Baptists take this stuff literally? That was a metaphor. That was a symbol of a symbol of you. Uh, no. Uh-uh. This is unbalanced. It's probably that moment that Jesus steps in and says, would you not get in the way of, of me having a conversation with my people? Uh, uh, you know, uh, well, it's also about that. I'm preaching on Proverbs. And uh, I don't like Proverbs, Book of Proverbs. It only appears, fortunately, you know, one time in a three-year lectionary cycle. But I did a kind of un-Methodist thing. I thought, I'm going to stick with Scripture. And uh, so I decided to work on a sermon. And the word from Proverbs was, Better than silver or gold is a good reputation. Better than riches is a good name. And I said, that oh, sounds so much like Proverbs, you know. Pick up your socks, take precautions on dates, uh, be nice to sales clerks. I, I said in my sermon, you know, proverb, reading Proverbs is like being on a long road trip with mother. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I, I stuck with the text. And I said, better than silver or gold is a good reputation, a good name, better than riches. Yeah, that's a nice thought, yeah, yeah. And uh, trouble is, I don't think anybody at this university believes this. Uh, you, you're not here to get a good name, character, you know. 
You're here to get your ticket to success. You, you're here to get your, you know, your diploma enables you to play the game and get on top. And you know. Somebody get on the phone, call down to Mar-a-Lago and say, look, Don, uh, I'm 19 years old and I could go this way, I could go that way, but uh, uh, let me ask you, you, you could have gone for a good name and a good reputation, but I gather you decide to take the left turn. Um, yeah. Or, I tell you what, put this on a t-shirt. Better than riches is a good name. Uh, let me how you do in Fraternity Rush, okay? Uh, you know. Well, so I'm just desperate. Try to get them into the scripture and, you know. Well, at the, after it's over, standing at the door, this student comes out and says, well, it was a good sermon, so I love it when you're, you know, you're pastoral. You try to really help us with our problems. And I said, really? Because I, I didn't feel very pastoral, and I, I, found kind of, I felt kind of offensive. And he said, no, 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 I, I found it very reassuring. I said, really? And he said, uh, after that sermon, uh, this afternoon I'm going to call my dad. And he thinks just because he's paying for Duke, that he can run my life. And, and he can tell me how I gotta live my future. And he wants me to go to law school. So I'm gonna call him this afternoon and tell him that uh, after your sermon, uh, he can go to hell. <laughs> I am going in elementary school teaching, whether he likes it or not. And I said, hey kid, uh, keep me out of your family stuff. Uh, uh, but isn't that amazing? Uh, a hackneyed sermon, a kid doesn't know that much about the Bible, he's a Presbyterian, uh, and, uh, but, but the Holy Spirit gets in there in the book of Proverbs and says, hey, I'm going to mess with somebody's life. I'm going to commandeer somebody for me. So let me stop there and, and what are questions you'd like to ask a preacher? And none of these apply to Robert, so but to me. Um, so I've got a microphone, so if you'll just stick your hand up, I'll bring a mic to you. Yeah. Maybe you can shout it out, you big. Yeah. And I know that you're condescending towards me, but <laughs> theologically, theologically, but go ahead, yeah. presentation, I'm just letting it fly. Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually prepared. Okay, okay. Uh, now, um, great question. Uh, I, I'm speaking personally, 
I got to say, a, a number of things I think have sustained me, as you can see, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, one is lay people. If you notice, I mean, I, I noticed tonight, I, I keep bringing up lay people. Said to me at the door, said, you know, at all. Uh, I love being a college chaplain, obviously. I refer to that a lot. Robert mocks me in the documentary saying, you know, he can't preach a single sermon without saying, this sophomore said to me. But uh, the uh, one is you're here. I mean, I think it's kind of amazing that they keep showing up. I keep saying to them, preaching is ancient, it's outmoded, it's out of date, it is one-way communication, it cannot compete with YouTube, okay? And you say, well, here I am. Uh, I had a man, not to cut too close to the bone, but came out of Duke Chapel one Sunday and says, this is now my church. And I said, wait a minute. You told me you were on the vestry of Trinity Church in Boston, Phillips Brooks Church. Uh, you're Episcopalian. Uh, you don't want to... And he said, yes, but there is this nasty libel that is spreading among Episcopal clergy in this part of the world which says that Episcopalians are sacramental Eucharistic people and they don't like good preaching. It's a lie, but, so I'm coming here. Anyway, uh, the, the people, and I find like when I'm stuck and feeling kind of dead about my preaching and looking for help, one of things that helps me is go out and visit, have conversations with people. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will just insert itself into those conversations and I think, wow, wow, wow. Let me see. I think we got a response to that. And, and uh, another thing is the Bible. I just find scripture so invigorating, continually exciting, that discipline of going to scripture every week. I enjoy using the common lectionary, three appointed lessons. And, you know, I go there and say, show me something I don't know. Or, come on, Lord, tell me something. And uh, invariably, in that dynamic, I get a word that is better than the word that I could give. Uh, had to preach on Zacchaeus. Jesus goes through Jericho, Zacchaeus, in, in the fall. He came up lectionary, had to preach on that in the Divinity School Chapel. And I said, okay, Jesus goes through Jericho. And I just noticed, he doesn't heal anybody. He doesn't have mercy on someone who was lame from birth. He doesn't heal blindness. He only mixes it up. He only talks to the richest, most evil criminal in town. He ain't just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. Jesus went to his home and then have the nerve to say, today salvation has come. He never uses the word salvation, except here, and he said, today salvation is here. This is, he's saved. And I said, you like Jesus when he, you know, was nice to little children and, and people with handicapping conditions, but wow. And I ended by saying, my church is being split apart by one group, traditionalist, 
and one group calls themselves uh, progressives. They disagree on bishops, they disagree on polity, on doctrine. They only agree on one thing. Both of them hate this scripture. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, you know, I can't make this stuff up. It, it's just, it's, it's, scripture is so interesting. And in fact, I have to watch myself because I'm a pastor and all. And, and there, there are times that the hardest thing about preaching is not trying to protect God's people from God. And, you know, I'll stand up and say, he didn't mean hate your mother. He meant to put the old lady in better perspective. <laughs> he didn't mean give all you have to the poor. That would be economically irresponsible. He meant increase your pledge to the church budget. <laughs> in other words, here's what Jesus was trying to say if he'd had the benefit of a Duke education. Uh, well, that's blasphemy. And uh, so I'd say the Bible keeps giving me a word that I couldn't come up with on my own that I think is so much more interesting than a lot of the words people are trying to live and die by. But So, sorry to be such a long response, but Let me just ask you, as a Presbyterian, uh, and I gather you, you haven't been a, you're a relatively young preacher, you seem to me? Yeah, I'm 34. Okay, well that's half my age. Um, but uh, what have you found to be the biggest thing that, that, that you've enjoyed about preaching? I hadn't asked you the question because um, <laughs> you're really making me feel bad. I mean, I'm thinking, I, I just find that so moving, don't you, that to hear a preacher say, the biggest challenge is not what I'm saying to them, it's what God says to me in the process of preaching. Um, wow, I, that's, that's beautiful. And it's making me wonder, I wonder, I've been at it so long, I've been doing so much of this, I wonder if I've, I wonder if I, at 34, I ever said to, you know, myself, uh, well, Jesus, uh, I'm not as courageous as you think I am, okay? <laughs> Don't say this to me, or to say, yeah, I, I just, I think that's beautiful. I hope you never lose that. Uh, and I, I pray that, that I can even, you know, have more of that, uh, that I can retain that even though I do, I've done a lot of preaching. I remember as a young pastor, I preached on materialism in America, and I was waxing poetic about 
their greed and materialism and everything. On the way out, the head of my pastor staff relations committee uh, said to me, uh, good sermon. I really like, and I was glad to hear it too because uh, as you know, since you have become pastor here, our receipts are down at this church. And uh, I had been worried about what are we going to do to give him a raise for the coming year? But it is so good to hear your attitude about <laughs> financial matters. Thank you, thank you. I went back in my office, I said to the Lord, you did that to me, didn't you? <laughs> you did that to me. So, is one more question? Yes. Well, wow. Dallas Seminary. Well, I bet you I would disagree with those professors on more than that. But uh, the uh, what about the length of sermons? I think that's heavily dependent on the congregation, the ecclesial tradition, but it's also dependent on the pastor and all. Uh, years ago. I may have been in Salisbury uh, with a bunch of Methodists, and Lyle Schaller, great church observer, was asked that question. Uh, uh, and he said, I think sermons are getting much shorter and much longer. What's dropping out is the tasteful 20-minute middle range. And he said, and I think a defining factor is the age of the congregation. And I said, ah, oh, the kids, the kids won't pay attention. They just got such short spans between commercials. And he said, the younger the congregation, the longer the sermon. I said, what? And um, he said, I think you got a generation that has been poorly formed. And the best thing you can say about them is they know they don't know. They will sit for some instruction. They, they, you can't just, mouth through the story and assume they've all heard it before and then go on to your points about the story, you gotta go over the story again. It's new information to them. He said, older, experienced, well-formed congregations can often just be suggested a few hints. Remember, this is Zacchaeus, Jericho, remember that story? Yeah, let's go on. Uh, and you know, since hearing that, I have seen that in action. Uh, a pastor in Canada said his wife noticed that more, the more young adults showed up, the longer his sermons became. And the more seriously he took the sermon as a teaching mode. I was in Manhattan. The young pastor told me, uh, it's a hip church that rents a church from a dead Lutheran congregation. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon of the Super Bowl in Manhattan and at three o'clock in the afternoon is their service. And I said, oh, wow, will anybody be there? And he said, oh yeah, they'll be there. And um, 300, it just packed. Uh, 
And he said, oh, by the way, we're going to need, they'll expect a 45-minute sermon from you. And don't get all excited. I'm not going to do 45 minutes here. So just settle down, all right? And so uh, I jammed two sermons together and stuck up there. And they had me on a stool trying to look hip and uh, teaching. The elder of the congregation came up to me and said, that was a good sermon, a good, good teaching. And I said, does your mother know where you are? Because you look really young. <laughs> you shouldn't be being called an elder. I know that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it is amazing all the ways God gets through to people. And I was at an African-American congregation recently where the preacher preached at least 40 minutes. And it was obvious the congregation was there for a group product. We're going to work with the preacher this morning and let the preacher know when the preacher's on to something that and all, we're going to work with. And the preacher also crafted an amazing uh, symphony that had highs and lows and reached a crescendo. And um, so that, that's what I think. I do think it's worth, you know, in Duke Chapel, I just felt like I want to get some students, and I cannot get students, I don't think, if they think I'm stuck here for an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes. So, you know. Well, thank you. It's been fun to talk about preaching with you. We can continue the conversation uh, with the cookies. Yeah. <laughs>